Tonight I would like to tell a little story. It's an old Zen story that goes back to China long, long time ago. And it is about a famous Zen master. I don't know his Chinese name, but the Japanese pronunciation of the characters of the master's name is Tanka. And Tanka is quite well known for, be, for what he did in this story. So sometimes Zen uses stories to illustrate, to make some of the principles come to life. And with the story, of course, there come many interpretations of the story, some of them more appropriate, some of them less appropriate. But if you get the story, if you get what is behind it, then that will probably answer this question, how important it is to know about appropriate and inappropriate or right and wrong interpretations of stories, of things that happen. It used to be customary for somebody who has finished his studies in Zen with one teacher after being authorized by that teacher to move on and to go on pilgrimage to find other teachers to further deepen one's understanding, to further study, to further get into the matter, the great matter of life and death. So it was not a sign of not being done or not having received enough that one went on to study with other teachers. It's just the accomplishment of not stopping, of continuing to study, of continuing one's practice. Because then in the end, as we can see, there's no time to actually stop to practice. There is no place to arrive. So Tanka, after having received his master's inkashome, the seal of approval and succession, went out to look for other teachers. And it was customary to stay over at Zen temples Wherever one came, one would arrive somewhere where there's a Buddhist temple and at night ask for admission so that one doesn't have to spend the night outside under the stars. In the winter, that's not such a nice thing to do. And it was winter. So Tanka came to this Zen temple where there were a couple of monks living but no real teacher. So they were very happy to take him in and to offer him food, to offer him a place to stay. Somehow they must have known by his way of manifestation or by the way he looked or whatever 
they picked up on the fact that he was an experienced Zen master. So there he was in his room, and in the evening the head monk went to check on him, just to make sure that everything is okay, and the head monk uh, asks for permission to come into the room, and Tanka says, come in. He opens the sliding door, and there, it is warm in his room. How come it is warm? There was no wood anywhere to make a fire. So the head monk comes in, closes the door, and is really surprised positively that it is so nice and warm. And there's Tanka sitting next to the fire, warming his hands. And the head monk is quite astonished. Where says to Tanka, where did you get the wood? And Tanka turns and he points to the altar. And where the Buddha used to sit, there is nothing. The head monk, to say it plainly, he was shocked. He didn't know what to say. He looked at Tanka and said, What did you do? You took the, our Lord Buddha and you hacked him in pieces for your own personal need for heat. I don't understand. How, how can a master like you do such a sacrilegious thing? And of course, Tanka just chuckled. <laughs> what are you talking about? All I did, I took a piece of wood. I hacked it into pieces. I made a fire. And now, both of us, we are really nice and warm. You say it's the Holy Lord Buddha. I'm telling you, it's nothing but a piece of wood. And I've used it to a worthwhile purpose. Come on, come closer. You still look like you're cold. And so the head monk listened and understood. Oh, yeah. It was just wood. It was just an image. Of course it is not anything that is holy. Everybody went to bed, and the next morning, when it was time to leave for Tanka to move on in his travels, he met with the head monk and asked to be brought to the main hall. They brought him to the main hall, and Tanka went in, went in front of the large Buddha statue, and started to bow and do prostrations. And the head monk really didn't understand. After Tanka was done, 
the head monk said to him, Master, you just told me yesterday it is just a piece of wood. It is not anything but a piece of wood. And now, a few hours later, you, you, you throw yourself on the ground in front of this piece of wood. I really don't know what to think about this. And Tanka looks at him and says, how can you say that? Don't you see? It's not a piece of wood. <laughs> it's an image of the Lord Buddha. And you ought to throw yourself on the ground and prostrate in front of him. How, how dare you call it just a piece of wood? Tanka said his goodbyes and left. The hand monk, of course, was completely confused. It took him a long time to figure out what the teaching behind this is. Sometimes an object is just an object. Sometimes, in this case, a Buddha statue made from wood is just a piece of wood. And action can transform it into something completely different. A non-attachment to the idea what the object stands for a becoming free from convention. And making connection with what is there, what is suchness, is one way to relate to the world. At other times, an object is not just an object. At other times, we can give ourselves fully to the object and become one with it and give it our reverence, completely disappear into the act of becoming one and eliminating that distinction between subject and object to fully engage in the process of relationship where the self disappears. What Zen tries to teach us and what this story tries to teach us is that nothing is fixated. Relationship and making relationship with suchness, making relation with things as they are comes in many different ways and none of them is fixated. In the same way that Tanka gave all his attention to hacking that Buddha into pieces so he could turn it into firewood, with the same 
intensity. He put himself into the act of prostrating, into the prostrations, into making relationship, not with an idea, not with an object, but with life, by fully being there active. The observer from the outside might be utterly confused if the observer is attached to ideas. And what happened with the head monk when he thought he understood that it was just a piece of wood is that he just exchanged his idea of what it ought to be with a different idea. And Tanka taught him the next morning that replacing one idea with another idea is not the same as becoming free from having any such preconceived notions and ideas. Developing the capacity and the ability to freshly meet every moment, every object, every person, and make appropriate relationship is one of the things that Zen practice and the Zen way try to teach us. Beyond holy, beyond profane, beyond this and that, just making full relationship. Tanka is not iconoclastic. No. It goes beyond that. And that is the difficult thing to understand. Because you cannot understand it in a two-dimensional way. You have to experience it and manifest it. Then you will know what Tanka tried to teach. <laughs>